Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello, my name is Gary Mansfield, and this is the Ministry of Arts podcast, where each week... I'll be speaking to a different artist. Now let's begin by bagging these bongos. Hello, here we are at episode 147. Today, I'm going to take you into the world of Luet, which features a pink bear that seems to pop up all over the world. I've been aware of the pink bear for quite some time, but didn't really know too much about it or its creator, Paul Robinson, until we both had neighbouring rooms at the Fulham Town Hall. And I'm glad to say I'm showing alongside Luet again at the moment, over at the Factory Project. We're both part of Gallery Number 32's Between Frames. I'll go into more detail about the Ministry of Arts artwork in that show in the next episode. Luet also has a solo show at the moment called Unconscious Therapy, where they're taking over three floors of 95 New Bond Street, which is being curated by the wonderful MC Lamas. Well, I'm going to keep this intro nice and short for a change, so please come with me and enter the pink world of Luet. Anyway, Paul, I've got... Um Seven questions that I ask each artist. Right, okay. The first being, how would you explain what you do to someone that doesn't know your work? Um, so how do I explain what I'm doing to someone else? Um, I guess like the elevator pitch is that I travel the world with a pink bear. And it's kind of, that's the quick summary. And then people then are like, what do you mean? And then go into more depth and like talk about, you know, the pink bear kind of surfaced out of when I was doing CBT therapies, cognitive behavioral therapy. Yeah. And it was kind of looking for this happy memory or something to latch onto, to kind of put into my artwork or, you know, make my life a bit more joyful. And it was kind of, that was like the most joyful memory I had. 
And it's like, there's a, there's a little picture of it over there. And it's like, it was when I was like, just there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was like little, so that's like a portrait of my mum, dad and brother with this big care bear. And it was like how, uh, you know, a memory changes. So yeah. I kind of, what I remember was it was a big pink bear. So I kind of like really reduced it down. And that's kind of what I latched onto. And then over the last 11 years, just been developing work based on that. Oh, so it's, it's your comfortable zone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, cause it's like, you know, some stuff can be quite challenging or, you know, like kind of mental health or this kind of stuff that's in the press that, you know, that's kind of going on, you know, in social, you know, in the other world. And it's kind of like looking at that through the eyes of the bear or through the comfort of the bear to kind of explore these issues. And if you don't mind me just delving, you don't have to answer this, but the CBT that you had, was it because you wanted it or you needed it? I felt I needed it. So I was kind of, yeah, just like really depressed, kind of felt like a, a big black hole. Yeah. Um, and I felt if I didn't kind of do something, I didn't know where the hole would go. So I guess I intervened, you know, I was kind of with it enough to recognize I needed to do something. Um, and I think I used to kind of suffer from like disassociation. So I'd kind of disconnect within myself as well. So it'd be like, if I'd speak, it'd be like, my voice would be coming out here and, I, and I'd be going back here. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I just struggled to kind of do all that. and. So we talked through all that as well as kind of other stuff going on. And it really kind of helped bridge this kind of connection to other people. And I think that's what the bear was kind of about. It's like a, a connection. It was like, I guess, how I wanted to be like, you know, this thing that not necessarily it stood out, but didn't kind of hide in the shadows. Yeah. Um, and the CBT really helped with that. Good. Like I've done a few different kinds as well. So I did. One was just kind of talking and we, we actually talked and we drew, drew things as well. So drew kind of what was going on in my head, which obviously gave me ideas for my artwork as well. Yeah. And then I also did like CBT hypnosis, which was like when I was at exhibitions, I always found it hard to talk to people. So we'd actually go through like mantras and then these would kind of be like planted in your head while you're in hypnosis, which was, like really interesting. Like the first session I was kind of like, I don't believe any of this. And then, I, and then at the end of it, I kind of woke up and I was like, what just kind of happened there? <laughs> and did it work, that, that hypnotherapy type? Um, I couldn't say for sure, but I know I find it a lot easier talking to people now than I used to. Like I wouldn't be able to do this 10 years ago. Um, so I think it must have helped. Yeah. Subconsciously. There's, there's no there's no way of finding out, is there? Other, no, than, sure, other no. than if you're more comfortable speaking yeah. to people, then yes is the answer, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. And I did like some um like courses on like public speaking to try and help, you know, just with how you kind of get things out as well. Or, or like just how you actually talk in terms of, you know, knowing what you're on about and then kind of having more constructed ways of talking. Yeah. Um, well, so I mean, it's kind of lots of things that came together that really helped kind of move me forward, I think. Well, I know exactly what you're speaking about, because I've always, when I'm speaking one-to-one -one with someone that I'm not 
very familiar with, um, I would often feel a bit frustrated and start feeling pressure where I'm just having a one-to-one -one conversation. I've learned over the years to blag it so no one would be aware that yeah. I'm feeling like that. But inside, I'm not just sort of, it's, it, the, the water isn't slowly, you know, calmly flowing. There's plenty of waves and white water even as I'm talking. And that was one of the reasons why I started this podcast, just to get me speaking to people that I don't know about a subject that I'm very familiar with. Yeah, and yeah. I don't know whether it has, has actually helped. No, it, it has actually helped. Yeah. But I still feel like that sometimes, but I'm more confident in, in the way I'm The more you talk about it, the more you're able to kind of vocalise what's going on in your head. Because um, yeah. I just felt like I didn't get anything out before. It'd be like, obviously you can in pictures, but then it's like explaining that in words was always the tricky bit. And people kind of want the story and the narrative rather than just the image. Yeah. Um, which I think the same with your work as well. It's like the narrative is really important to the work. Oh, I totally agree. Well, when I'd seen your pink bear, whose name is Luap, I'd I'd seen Luap about here and there for a, for a while. Yeah. And when we went to Fulham, and um, I was given my um, room in Fulham where where to create my installation, um, I had a look around, saw a pink room at the end. Um, and when I walked down there, I was straight away, I was like, wow, this is, this feels to me from an artist's point of view, it feels a little sinister. And Ben Moore, the curator, when I was with him and I said like, this is possibly the most sinister room out of the lot. And he was going back, how can it be? He said, it is the, it's the nicest, most fun room here, a pink a pink um, bear with a with a tricycle, you know, and I said, "No, nah. I said there's undertones here." And then we then when we met a, a little while later, and you told me what yeah, it was yeah. about, I was quite um, relieved, should I say, that my first interpretation of it aesthetically was correct, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think it. I think it straddles that line between like comfortable and uneasy, which I think you know, you go through in this therapy. It's like, you know, some days you're better than others. And I think that's what the bear's kind of there for. It's this, yeah, like you said earlier, comfort zone that kind yeah. of helps you kind of navigate this journey that we're on. Yeah, because I think it was the costume as well, because you don't know if there's anyone in it yeah, or not. Yeah, I think yeah that a lot was, of people have said that. To that me. was the sinister side. No, I mean, yeah. that the environment it was in was far from sinister. Yeah, but it, yeah. it just had undertones you know it, it made yeah. me feel uncomfortable yeah and I'm not sure what it was but it worked it was it made you feel uncomfortable and at ease at the same time so I think it's the potential of the movement that yeah kind of yeah definitely form of it yeah when was your first interest in art did you have art at home I think I've always done art um like my dad's creative um you know he can draw like photographs and he's always you know done woodwork and stuff as well so i think um you know come from grimsby it's not like a you know well-off kind of place so my dad would kind of make the things that you'd see in shops so i think like when i was little i had a thomas tank engine bed but instead of just going and buying it he made one exactly the same as the one in the shop and yeah, you know, brilliant. Hand, hand painted it all on himself and like I had a basketball ring, 
but he'd made all the backboard and, you know, did all that himself. Excellent. And um, I remember like him drawing the turtles and stuff and it looked just like, the, you know, on the TV show. So, but, it, but he'd never draw for me. I remember always going, if you want it, go do it yourself. Nice. So it was like, you know, you'd have to learn. And then I think, you know, my granddad did like watercolors. I remember doing a, like a, when my Nana died, we went on a trip around Scotland and like we were doing watercolors together, which was really nice. Oh, so, nice. I, you know, there's creativity through the whole family. I think like my auntie made curtains. So it's like, I think creativity is, you know, lots of different forms of it, but it yeah, was, of a, you know, it wasn't a family that kind of, frowned upon creativity and was like you know get a real job it was yeah 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 they just encourage you to kind of do whatever your passion was and as long as you kind of went for it well i was always quite a creative kid but i was never artistic yeah and i someone asked me once about creativity and i said i'd always been creative but i never really created anything and um it was more the fact that like you was just saying that if we need something then, you know, we had nothing as when I was a kid. Yeah. So you would make it, you know, or, or mend it, you know, or, or whatever. But you was always doing it like that, you know? I think it's just about, like, for me, it was always like looking at something and then imagining what, what else you could do with it. So it's yeah. like, I remember, like, at school for Christmas, you'd make, like, the little stars and stuff like that. And then Excellent. I remember thinking like, oh, well, I reckon I can make a bigger one and end up doing this star that was Excellent. like yeah. so many sides. And I think, I think that's what it is. It's just like, how can you push an idea and, you know, tell a story with it? Yeah, and before it, it implodes in on itself. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I remember doing like, um, like murals and stuff at school as well. Because the teachers like really encouraged it in my school. I think it was only one teacher like it was a geography teacher and he's like, you'll never make any money from drawing. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, all, all the rest were like really encouraging. Um, I think that makes a difference. You know, people kind of like really kind of pushing you along. And yeah. then you kind of, I guess then it's the artistic pursuit of like the ideas rather than being hindered. Yeah, definitely. When was it that you wanted to become an artist? Do you know when that was? I feel like... You just are one though. I don't know if there's a particular point. I think that the hard bit about being an artist is I think you know what you want to do, but it's just hard to get where you want to get if yeah. you kind of don't have anything. Because it's like, you know, there's the cost of making the work and then there's kind of getting it out there. And then I think, you know, there's so many people that want to be an artist, but to be an artist is quite a, a difficult pursuit. And I think also it's kind of, you know, you're laying yourself out there because it's, you know, a lot of it's usually kind of comes from within. Um, so I think it's just, yeah, I think you always are one, but it's just getting it out there. Yeah. Is art your job or do you have another job? It is now. Yeah, I used to be a creative director. Um, like in advertising. So I kind of did that for, I think, close to 15 years. And it was kind of saving up enough money to be able to give myself a chance to actually just pursue the art. And then yeah. that's kind of happened over the last few years. And then now, like, I'm selling enough to kind of maintain that. So this is the thing that 
it's like just taking that time to get to a point. And it was like, you know, it was difficult because you're, you're working eight hours a day in a creative industry. So that's kind of draining, but it's draining in the sense that you're draining your creativity, but also you're having to work on ideas that are kind of different to your own artwork. And then you'll come home and then do your own artwork. So I felt it just cost me kind of some life experiences, but yeah. I don't feel I've missed out. But I think it, you know, I've really had to just kind of knuckle down and get this stuff done. Well, yeah. I know a few artists that were in the advertising industry. Yeah. And um, I mean, there's including yourself, there's three I can think of like off the top of my head. And all three of you have, um, that the focus of their work is a big, bold, colorful um, object. Yeah, yeah. Or, or artwork that has plenty of layers and and all the time it's you know that the idea like Luet, it can just no matter what else you do in your career that will always be able to it's so strong it can it can live with you throughout your career yeah, yeah. i think you know yeah yeah i think well in advertising obviously you're trying to create something iconic but yeah i think um you know when i do my paintings there's kind of a real looseness about them in the, you know, the surfaces and stuff, which uh, I don't think you can do that in advertising. It's because it's all quite clean. So I try and, you know, have it quite textured and, you know, there's depth within the work that is kind of a bit removed from the kind of cleanliness of you know, yeah. graphic design and stuff. Um, I mean, which piece that you've created do you think has got the strongest emotional connection? Um, tricky one. There, there's a piece that for me was quite interested in that's going to be in this show I'm doing. Um, and it's like a self-portrait because it's like the bears kind of stood there against the wall. And then there's me photographing the bear. So I kind of, it's, it's almost like a double self-portrait but it's like we're both hiding behind something. And obviously I've painted it as well. So there's, there's a few layers there of kind of about the self. Yeah. But it's interesting that there's the idea of the self inside the bear, which is like behind a mess. And then there's myself, but it's the back of me. So it's kind of hidden. And then the front of me has got a camera there. So I think there's quite a lot of interesting things going on there. And then it's in a forest. So it's kind of isolated as well. So I think that kind of sums up some of the process that I went through in CBT. Yeah. Um, well, Luap being obviously pulled backwards. Yeah. Um, as soon as you told me it was to do with depression and that he was your comfort zone, if you like. Yeah. He or she. Is it? Is it? I suppose it is genderless, isn't it? I think, yeah, it's somewhat ambiguous, yeah. Um, but... When you told me that the pink bear was your comfort zone, then I saw that as um, the opposite to you, so that you can always work with it. It's it's always as if it's a, a 3D representation of of the thoughts that you're having. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah, and exploring this other world. Like some of the paintings, like that I've created for this series, like they're, they're kind of like mirrors as well. So mirrors in water. So there's one where the bears on this like. I guess hillside looking into a lake 
and then it's kind of dark in the lake and kind of a bit distorted. But the painting's actually flipped upside down. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. So it's like the, the one at the top is actually the distorted dark view. And then it's looking down and seeing like the clear view. And it's like, that was kind of an idea that, you know, sometimes our own reality is kind of this kind of dark view inside, but the reality that other people see is this kind of clean exterior yeah, and it's yeah. a bit kind of mixed up. So yeah. is so Luet is just a, an extension of your thoughts, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And yeah. do you is its name Luet or is the the world you've created Luet? Um I, guess, I don't think I've thought of that. Um, I, you I, referred to it just now as the bear. I refer and, to it as the pink bear. Uh, uh, so, sorry, the pink bear. But I, I've, I've referred to it since I met you. Yeah. I've referred to it as Luap. Yeah, I think so, a lot of people do actually call the bear Luap. Because um, where it was a I mirror image of yourself. In terms of like, it is the, the world and the artwork that I create is Luap in the sense. Yeah. yeah. Because I didn't know if the bear was Luap, yeah, or Luap was your the artist, yeah, the artist, yeah, yeah, yeah. And well, I, I guess the bear is kind of like an extension of myself in some ways because it, you know, explores this narrative and the ideas. So I guess it's one and all the same. Yeah, a bit of a bit of yeah. both. And I think that's what's interesting about that portrait thing is like, you know both sides of myself there in this, this image, um, in this kind of original environment that kind of went to the therapy about, because like the old paintings were like these, like trees, I call them like the lone soldiers and they're kind of like trees that you see in like the countryside, like stood there on their own. Yeah, yeah. Like battling the wind and kind of a bit dead looking and, so I did this whole series like that, the kind of just these depressed looking trees. And you know, you have some like behind like fences, like as if they're like, you know, fenced off from the rest of the world. And it is when you see the bear in those environments, mm. um, I mean, not, not that a pink bear has an environment anyway, I'm sure yeah. <laughs> it fits in anywhere. But when you see your pink bear, in the woods, it is straight away Bigfoot, you know, the, yeah, the thing yeah. that did I see it, is it really there? Yeah, the, the funny thing, someone told me a story recently, um, so I did a photo shoot in Patagonia in Argentina. Yeah. At the top of these mountains, so like to get up there, it's like it's a 12 hour hike and I'm like carrying like all the bear stuff and like <laughs> 20 kilos of camera equipment. And then someone was telling me that their friend, like they'd seen an Instagram post or something they shared and it was like, I saw that bear at the top of this mountain. And it was like, <laughs> it's just quite funny to, you know, of all the places you could be and like, you know, people see it and then go home and remember it because yeah, it brilliant. is so like eye-catching. Yeah. Just stand out. And they're, they're probably thinking that it was this um, iconic sort of Argentinian story, you know, that's why it's yeah. there and it turned out to be a guy from Grimsby. What do you do to relax, Paul? Uh, well, I like to kind of go out, 
hiking and stuff. But that, I guess that feels like a bit like work as well. It's all Argentinian kind of, mountains. Yeah, and I don't know. Bareback. Camping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, camping. I just did like some camping around Scotland. That was quite fun. Nice. Um, apart from the mozzies that kind of bit me alive. I think it's all part of the stuff that's in the work, actually. It's kind of like, you know, having campfires, you know, seeing some friends and kind of having a chat. But it, but it's all kind of art related now. So it's kind of like the work and the kind of relaxing is all one and the same. Yeah. So I feel quite lucky in that way now that I'm kind of, you know, my work and kind of my dream is all kind of happening together. Yeah. But they, they have literally, your, your yeah. dream and your world has literally merged. Yeah, it's all merged to one, yeah. I, I wonder if it's all real. <laughs> you never know. You might yeah. wake up and you're still a teenager in Grimsby. Yeah. I've, I've often wondered that. Like, if you're weird, you wake up in a hospital bed somewhere. <laughs> and it was all just a dream. Yeah. If there was you and five other artists, Paul, past and present, what would your ideal group show be? Well, luckily, I've got a load of books by my side, so I can look. Oh, you right out. But, um, <laughs> so you can just intellectually look to one side to make it look as though you're thinking. Yeah. Um, maybe it'd be kind of people that inspired my my work. Um, so I've got like some Japanese artists, Kaniyoshi. So yeah. like, um, so I like really like the kind of woodblock you know, the Japanese woodblock, yeah, yeah. which kind of inspired, like, all the flat way of painting. Um, like, Robert Rauschenberg for kind of, like, the layering. Yeah. Um, who else? Um, five. It's quite a limited amount. So many books on my shelves. I think it'd be cool doing something with Jeff Coons, because I've always liked it. Or, or it'd be... Him or Klaus Oldenburg for kind of like, you know, the big sculptures. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, obviously Jeff Coons is quite shiny, but then um, Klaus Oldenburg's kind of, you know, there are all these like found Stop materials, yeah. like the yeah. big hamburgers. Um, you know, and someone, you know, more recent like that could be like So You Soul, who's kind of doing all the stuff with fur, not fur, like felt. Yeah. Uh, well, I think Klaus Oldenburg, I think that's the first time he's come up, you know? Yeah. And I remember discovering Klaus Oldenburg when I first got into art. I, I really fell for his artwork. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, that, I think it's just the scale of it and kind of the positioning of it. Yeah. I really like, like it was my um, GCSE school teacher that kind of introduced me to him. And like, I made this, six foot toilet at school and I had like legs coming out of it that were kind of <laughs> painted in Andy Warhol colours. Brilliant. And I had like bright pink Calvin Klein's on it. They were meant to be red, but I think when I washed them or dyed them, they came out bright pink. Excellent. Um, yeah. But no, I like his work. And just, like, I think, you know, he did the giant match sticks. Yeah, and stuff like yeah. That. Um, and I think it's just the kind of, you know, similar to the bear up the mountain, it's kind of something unexpected in a place you wouldn't expect. Yeah, I was going to say you, you don't expect it to be there, but it, yeah. it looks good in that environment. Yeah, and I think, and then the scale of it as well. So, 
I think that's kind of an important part of it. Like I was looking at doing a, you know, a giant pink bear. That was a commission that was meant to happen last year, but kind of fell through because of COVID. But we're going to like do a, you know, a 10 meter bear um, near Bond Street. Nice. And it had been, I think, again, just put, not like a hard sculpted one, but actually, you know, in the soft fur. So yeah. it's kind of, again, it's just this play and with scale. Um, yeah. Um, so how many was that? That was three, four. Who else? I've always liked Gerha Richard as well, like the photorealism. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I saw a really good show. Well, I guess it's in the permanent collection in San Francisco. And like, I think there's the back of the woman um, in the cardigan. Yeah, yeah. And it's like blurred and it's just like, this, it's just the surface of the, the pieces that I really like, um, you know, that, that kind of drag feel. You know, there's a few people doing that now, but I think he's, you know, he kind of trained in photorealism, but he also trained in abstraction. Yeah. So kind of that interplay between the two and they're just, I think it's the colours and stuff as well, you know, the way bits pop out. Yeah, I like that when people bring two worlds into one. Yeah. Just successfully. I mean, it can easily look quite bad, but yeah, it's, yeah. it's quite hard to make it look very good. Because I, I think I've often wondered if, like, the, you know, the big drag paintings he does, if they've actually come out of kind of, you know, scratching photos, when you scratch them, yeah. you get all those layers. And if it's like... He kind of came up with the idea from actually, you know, looking at a macroscopic version of a yeah. photo and thinking, how do I kind of blow that thing up? If you wasn't an artist, what would you like to be? No, I was like maths and science at school. Oh, nice. Well, I think science is always kind of, <clears throat> I guess it's like art in some ways that you're experimenting. We always like making things that blew up. <laughs> oh, remember, who doesn't? And I remember we made, we found a, there was this thing called Jolly Rogers Cookbook, one of them had him at school, and we found out to make gunpowder. Like, wow. Got the recipe, and then we had to choo choose salts and stuff to make at school. So we chose the salts that you actually <laughs> put in gunpowder and then <laughs> took that home and then made some gunpowder with it. <laughs> was it successful? Uh, yeah, we did did some little explosions. <laughs> and how little were they? Uh, well, one of the guys, I remember coming back to school and he didn't have any eyebrows. Like, <laughs> yeah. Excellent. The, the thing is, because obviously back then we didn't have like iPhones and iPads. And yeah. We used to cycle to Hubbard Hills, which is about 15 miles away. Wow. And then I think it was like, you know, it was empty. There's no one around. And there was like this little hut and we kind of, we, yeah. I think we'd empty like fireworks and stuff out into it as well. <laughs> and we'd have only been about 11, I think. Yeah, I think it's probably best you don't become a scientist. Yeah. Go to the maths. Yeah. <laughs> you can't blow anything up with that. Yeah. But I think that's the same with art though. It's kind of experimental materials. And stuff. Yeah. Like yesterday I was having to finish some resin and that was with fire. And it was like, I couldn't, the, the blowtorch has stopped working. And I was panicking. So it's basically, there's like probably two or three months worth of painting underneath. And then there's like four layers of resin and this was the final layer. 
and then you use the blowtorch to get the bubbles out to get this mirror of like yeah. perfect glass finish. And it stopped working. I was just like, ah, oh, it's like it's ruined. Like so I was like panicking. Then I got like a camping stove and I was like trying to use that and then there's these big fire <laughs> coming off. Yeah. I eventually got one, but it was like running around because you only got 30 minute kind of working That's time it. for the resin cures. Yeah. And it was, yeah, got it done, but it was a panic. Well, I know you've got two shows coming up and we're in one together. Yeah, yeah. Um, if we can talk about the one, the factory project first. Yeah. And that is via gallery number 32. Yeah. Are you able to tell us yet what um, what you're doing for, for that? Yeah, there's kind of a connection between the two shows, actually. So the the one, the Gallery 32, there's, so it's these doors. Um, and basically, I've installed photography on glass panels. So nice. they're going to be stood up. And it's, um, it's the pink bear, obviously, um, holding a bunch of flowers that's kind of disappearing so they're kind of like as if they've been blown away and it's yeah. kind of a I'm, I'm using it kind of as a metaphor for life that kind of you know life's kind of you know it's beautiful but it's kind of fast and fragile like flowers and yeah. it's you know it's here and then it's gone so it's kind of make the most of it um and kind of enjoy what it has to offer and i think this piece you know each panel is it's almost like an animated gift put in you know, in stills. So the first one's kind of, you, this bunch is kind of, you know, it's starting to move. And then the second is kind of moving past the bear. And then by the end, or is just holding a stem. So it's kind of like, almost like representing the skeleton, I guess, is, you know, life's kind of finished. And so that's kind of a piece. And I think we're going to have flowers on the floor, you know, nice. for the opening yeah. kind of Present that journey, how it's kind of come and gone. And how many doors have you got there? There's four, nice. and they're, they're all kind of, yeah, none of the they're all different. So they're like the the first and last one are kind of these full full length ones. So you get the full picture on both, and then there's this transition in the middle. And they're all kind of, you know, they're all different colours, and some have got frosted glass. So they're they're really nice in kind of the aesthetic of the doors as well. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, a door is kind of like, you know, is that obviously time was saying like, you know, one door opens, one door closes, another one opens. And I think there's a play on that as well, that, you know, we're on this journey moving through things. So yeah. you just have to make the most of it. And that is at the Thameside Industrial Estate, which is just next to the Tate and Lyle factory, because it's Tate and Lyle's old warehouses, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. Part of. yeah, yeah, huge spaces. And that is that's running from the 9th to the 22nd of October. Um, and the second um, installation second that you've got. So that's a solo show in New Bond Street. Um, Unconscious Therapy, which obviously the name so comes I, from what you mentioned earlier. Yeah, and it's but I was kind of thinking like the, the unconscious therapy is kind of like the things we do to kind of make ourselves happy that maybe we don't think of as therapy. Yeah. You know, because a, a lot of the work is kind of about looking inwards and there's, you know, again, I've got some of the pieces like this flower and I've got the stills of that that are going to be hung. And then there's, you know, there's different kind of 
moods and stuff within the paintings. Um, and where is that? That's 95 New Bond Street. So close to station, Bond Street station. And it's literally just around the corner. Um, curated by MC Lemus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, um, but like Daisy Green collection, kind of doing the canapes and drinks for the opening. Nice. Um, and then we've got a gin sponsor, which is the I think Soho, King of Soho Gin. Nice. And then Great Portland Estates are the guys that have kind of given me this space to take over. Um, but it, it's the biggest space I've done. It's like three floors. Oh, wow. Um, 6,000 square foot of space. Um, and like, so the ground floor is going to be an installation. So I've got like 150 meters of pink fur coming. Shit. And basically lining all the walls. So it'd be kind of like this, I guess it's that comfort zone, but the whole room. Yeah. It'd be like that. And then the basement level is going to be more of a traditional kind of show with paintings. And then upstairs is going to be like video installation and projections and sound. So it's kind of, you know, it's quite a, a different kind of show on each floor. What is in the installation other than the fur lined walls? Um, it's going to be the, the fur, plus it's all going to be lit pink as well. Nice. Um, and there's probably going to be a bear in there as well. Um, yeah, but it's kind of, I think it's more abstract in a sense. It's not kind of, you know, obviously I could have just put paintings or, you know, put some bears in there, similar to what I did at Fulham, but this was a, I think it's more of a, a sensation of what the bear yeah. means. And it's yeah. kind of, you know, this feeling of warmth when you kind of go in the room. Um, and I think pink's quite a tricky color because it can, it can feel cold sometimes as well. Yeah. Kind of, you know, it's, it's like a really hard color to photograph as well because it really screws with like the white balance on a phone. And, you know, I saw that Fulham kind of, you know, some people would have these really vivid photos and others that kind of look like this dirty brown. Yeah, color. yeah. It's like, I think pink, you know, you're going to experience this color rather than kind of necessarily photograph it or yeah. you know, become a piece of like a painting or something like that. Well, you've definitely created something that people want to be in a photograph with. Which yeah, we yeah, saw yeah. about at Fulham, it was unquestionably the the most photographed there, I would have thought, wouldn't you? Uh, possibly, yeah. yeah. And that's never a bad thing, right? No, no. <laughs> so, yeah, walking into a, a large pink environment. And yeah, I hope people kind of think about it, though, as well, kind of what it means, though, rather than just kind of... I just kind of hope it makes people feel something rather than just thinking, oh, quick, get my photo, get yeah. come in and go. It's like... I just hope it kind of makes them question it. Definitely. Have you got anything else coming up after the two exhibitions or the installations that you've just spoken uh, about? I'd like to go traveling and do some more like photography because it feels like a long time because of COVID. Like normally I'd go to like four or five different places a year to kind of do photos. And I think the last two years, or a year and a half, like haven't actually been anywhere. So I just want to get away. Oh, you're I, missing it. I was meant to do this trip to Mongolia in 2020. Like the pink bear was going to be 
on horseback with a golden eagle and we're like going hunting nice. in the mountains, but it didn't happen. So yeah, I want to get- What do other cultures make of it? I think it's the same all over the, the world. They just think you're weird. <laughs> like traveling with this big thing there. <laughs> but when, um, when you tell them what it represents. Yeah, it, well, it brings a smile to people's faces and that, that kind of makes it worth it, I think. Yeah. Well, you you always turning something that is relatively scary, frightening, potentially dangerous into something that absolutely isn't. That's yeah, always yeah. A, a, a play on your mind anyway, isn't it, you know? Yeah, yeah it just makes it easier to approach, I think. Yeah. I think some of the, there have been some pieces that I did that did unsettle people. There was like a, an old series and people were kind of like, oh, that really makes me think. Um, yeah. So I think that maybe that's something I want to explore next as well. It's kind of, you know, this all this work recently has been quite safe in the sense that it's kind of the bearing kind of natural environments, but it's kind of maybe it needs to go somewhere a bit uneasy. Maybe not for my myself. It's kind of, you know, maybe exploring other people's kind of kind of fears as yeah. a project as well. And how do you think that would work out? Yeah, I think that's part of the research I have to do next. I hope it just brings some comfort to other people, though. They'd kind of recognise that and then, you know, help them break down their fears. I think that's what it was, was for me. It was breaking down a fear of kind of talking to people and getting out there. And, yeah. You know, there's lot, lots of people have different fears. Yeah, so it is that thing that you need a something to get you through and, and yours just happened to be the pink bear and it, yeah, it could yeah. be it could be anything for anyone couldn't it yeah yeah i think it's just finding whatever that is but i think it's about finding something rather than just kind of you know going down that dark hole yeah but i think it's so easy to do it similarly for several years i'd been sort of dragging my past along with me mm. and being a sort of person with two lives, my old sort of criminal life, which is what my art's all about, and me, but I, I was struggling sort of living two separate lives. And then during a conversation one time, I just decided to name the old me. And no. I, I used to have a name that I used to give the police and, you know, sort of book into hotels like an alias, you know, and it was Roy Maynard. And during conversation, I said, like I was, I was just venting off that I was pissed off with these two, like my life and my old life, the old me and the new me, you know, is what I'm always saying to people. And um, I was just saying that I'm finding it so fucking difficult. I said, but the old me being, I said, I should name him like Roy Maynard. And then all of a sudden I was like, fucking that's what to do. And straight away, as soon as I started detaching him or the old me from the new me, and giving him a whole different name as well as an identity, because he's the old me's different from the me you're talking to. As soon as I gave him a name, that sort of absolutely parted him from me, you know? And fucking hell, if, if someone would have said to me five or 10 years ago, just give him a name, because that was as simple as it was, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and it, it really, it straight away, it fucking helped. It felt lighter kind of. Yeah, like straight away. Yeah, yeah. 
and you know my boy Maynard was was your pink bear you know yeah yeah I think that's what this the unconscious stereotype was it's like finding that thing and it could be like you know going swimming or going to the gym or all these little things we do to kind of help ourselves feel better yeah so you've got the factory project via gallery number 32 is from the 9th to the 22nd of October and Unconscious Therapy at 95 New Bond Street, curated by MC Lamas, is from the 13th to the 17th of October. So October, you're a you're a pretty busy, busy a pretty busy bear. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, right, cool. right. Well, thank you for your time. Well, hope you enjoyed that episode of the Ministry of Arts podcast. If you're unable to support us on Patreon, leaving a review on whichever platform you listen to this podcast really does help us get noticed and anyone else looking for an art podcast, or even giving us a positive shout out on your social media. Anything is appreciated, but either way, thanks for listening, and until next week... Sad on. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.